0: Alexander Bergmeister says, narcissists or toxic personalities don't follow regular communication protocols. They use communications to get their needs met. It's not about connecting, validating, or assuring other people. It took me a while. It took me about three years to find, figure out that a predatory church will literally weaponize anything just for their benefit, uh, I've seen it done throughout my entire time that I was a member of my church, which was Watermark Church in Dallas. Um, the leaders would weaponize peace, weaponize forgiveness, weaponize um, reconciliation, weaponize unity, just anything, and just twist scripture just in order to get what they want out of me or try to m- guilt me into feeling bad about myself for, you know, raising an issue, a very really prevalent issue. And now it works. You know, that worked throughout the three years that I was there. But you know, (laughs) you might fool me for three years, but man, on that three and a half mark, uh, you know, I got it eventually. (laughs) So, progress. You know what they say, fool me once, strike one. But fool me twice, strike three. Hello, I'm Uche. Welcome back to my channel and my Lessons from a Predatory Church series. And if you haven't been here before, this series is all about spiritual abuse, how to heal from it, how to identify it, how to protect yourself and your family members from this ridiculous trauma. Okay, so um, today we're going to talk about how um, the leadership of a church can rep- weaponize things like a reconciliation, and um, after they hurt someone in the church, after they hurt a group of people in a church, um, what, I, what I realized throughout my process, throughout this spiritual abuse journey, is that is that predatory church will, will manipulate scripture, will twist scripture and manipulate you, <laughs> manipulate people to get what they want. But, but a predatory church can never, cannot manipulate the character of Jesus Christ that's the one thing they can't manipulate. So throughout this entire video, throughout my series, of course, I will always point to Christ's character, God's character, whenever I'm dealing with an issue of manipulation, okay? Because that's like, it's like a safe place. And so for me, I'm still a Christian. So God's character, Christ's character still matters to me. And if you are a Christian too, you're gonna understand why you should never ever, please never feel guilty for not wanting to reconcile, for not feeling like you're able to reconcile with the institution of the church that hurt you or the leadership that hurt you. Because honestly, it's not your job, not your responsibility. And I think you'll probably see, you'll see pretty clearly, it might not be possible. I I don't think it's actually possible for you to reconcile with an institution. Okay. So um, that's what we're going to talk about today. And um, if you are new here, if you've never been to my podcast, um, whenever I talk about a predatory church, what I am talking about is that a predatory church is basically a church where the culture of leadership is like that of someone with narcissistic personality disorder. Okay. And so that means that a leadership of a predatory church, they are unwilling to take accountability for specific harms that they commit. They lack empathy. There is a rampant, hella rampant hypocrisy within that institution. They are, are unable to accept criticism, okay? And this is the most important one. And last but not least, the leadership of a predatory church, for the leadership of a predatory church, the ends always justify the means, especially if it means protecting the, leaders of a church or protecting the fake reputation of that institution. Um, so what we're gonna do, we're gonna get into that, okay? Uh, uh, my church particularly, I found out how, that they were w- trying to weaponize reconciliation to, I guess, get me to feel guilty or try to force me into meeting them or whatever. Um, so, cause two times, like two times, two times, leadership of my church, asked me uh, for reconciliation. They were like, hey, Uche, we really want to reconcile. Uh, We want you to reconcile with us before we continue and blah, 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 right? And if you go to my church, um, there's a question that they always ask and it's, you know, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean by that? It's usually to dive deeper in a conversation about Christ, about someone's beliefs or whatever, okay? And so um, both times when the leadership of my church asked me and, you know, um, presented the idea of reconciliation to me, I asked them two questions. I asked them, first, who is we? They were like, we really, want, we really want to reconcile. I'm like, who is we? Like, who are you talking about? And um, it was just weird. I'm like, we? I'm pretty sure I'm not beefing with the entire, you know, Church of Watermark, so be specific. And then, And then the second question was, what do you mean by reconciliation? And like, I have asked that question twice, both times, to the leaders of my church, what do they mean by reconciliation? And both times, both times, I never got an answer. They just did not answer that question. And I'll tell you why. I think they know, what I know, is that the true meaning of reconciliation doesn't actually it it doesn't actually involve me the true meaning of reconciliation that biblical reconciliation doesn't actually involve me at all and doesn't involve you either if you're beefing with your church so what i realized is that what they're calling for what they're asking me for is they're actually not asking for reconciliation that's not what they want that's why they never that's why they would never say what my leadership meant by reconciliation they want something else. They want a get out of jail free card, or stop holding us account- accountable. Card, stop. You know, stop calling us out for our bullshit card. And 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 it's so important. This is so important to understand what reconciliation means because it can be used as a weapon. And hopefully, something that you'll understand as you watch my series and watch these episodes is that a lot of predatory institutions are led by toxic people and people with toxic. Um, you know, personality disorders, like narcissistic personality disorder, okay? And so they accept these roles because it makes them look good or they can continue to abuse people without being held accountable, unfortunately. And so these individuals like to use emotional blackmail to get what they want from people. And emotional blackmail is basically utilizing fear, obligation, or guilt to manipulate someone, um, to elicit a response, from someone that benefits the institution or the individual and not the victim or the survivor or the target of that abuse. Okay. And so it is not an accident that, um, when faced with, you know, uh, what's it called leadership issues and abuse and all this stuff that church will call for unity and forgiveness and reconciliation and peace. It's like, it's cause they're weaponizing it and they'll call for this as they're actively doing nothing to facilitate or to <laughs> to build that reconciliation, trust, unity, peace. Literally do nothing and still call for it. I'm like, yeah, do you call for unity in your marriage and continue cheating on your wife? No, so quit it. Reconciliation actually has a meaning and it has a beautiful example, right? And you know, let's get the biggest example, of course, in the entire Bible, right? That is you know, in order for God to reconcile human beings back to Himself, God, all-powerful, amazing, perfect—you know, everything entity, powerful entity—you know—sacrificed His only Son in order to reconcile human, in order to reconcile human beings, us, back to Himself. And if you're a Christian like me and you've gone to church probably once or twice. You've heard this said over and over again. This was done. This reconciliation was done. This act of sacrifice was done while we were still sinners. I've heard it. While we were still sinners. While we were still sinners over and over again. While we were still sinners. That reconciliation, that sacrifice happened. Okay. So that is example number one of what reconciliation looked like. So what does that tell you? For me, while I was struggling, I was like, all right, so what does reconciliation mean? The biggest, the biggest and most clear example is a powerful entity sacrificing something without the permission, the acknowledgement, the, um, the participation of, of other individuals or other group of individuals in order to, rec- to achieve reconciliation. So that tells me that the powerful entity needs to sacrifice something in order to achieve reconciliation. That's God's example. Let's do you one better. Okay. Let's go with Christ's example. Okay. So Christ did a lot of, you know, storytelling. He told a lot of parables. And one of the, one of the big ones is of course the prodigal son, parable of the prodigal son. So the prodigal son, right? The dad, um was a great dad and one of the sons was like, you know, super bougie and super like selfish or whatever. And so he went off and did his own thing and got really, you know, you know, um, spent all his money and basically spent himself into the poor house to where he came back to his dad's house, like all poor and um, you know, destitute, just hoping that at least maybe his dad will accept him back as like, you know, a servant or something. But the dad was like, the the dad was like, um, no. I'm gonna sacrifice my pride. I'm gonna sacrifice the, you know, the anger that I really should feel like you're entitled to feel, I'm gonna sacrifice that in order to accept you back into my household so we can be reconciled. You are my son again. We are back back into the fold, back into the family, you know, right? And this, while this kid, the son had already spent all the money, already insulted his dad, already, you know, did what he does, did what he did out in public. And still the powerful dad with the money, with the prestige, with the, with the house, with the jobs, with whatever, the dad is the one who sacrificed to help his son out, you know? And that is, that is reconciliation. So whenever we, so no, whenever you're looking at the example of reconciliation and wondering what it means and, you know, you get faced with that Ask while you're in the thick of it, while you're probably being bombarded with, um, you know, fear, obligation, and guilt from a lot of people, a lot of angles, either members of the church, the leadership, um, pastors, whatever, in a sermon, whatever that could be happening to you. You need to understand what it means, so that so you know what's being asked of you is actually not your responsibility. You are not the powerful entity. You are not the one with the power with the influence to to sacrifice something, and what i what i you know what came to my mind um both times that my um my church asked me for reconciliation or pretending like that's what they wanted from me and they invoke, you ev- ev- invoked that that word to me all i could think was i'm like okay well you're the powerful multi million dollar step like church with hella jobs and hella influence and um You're the one who's able to reach thousands, tens of thousands of people each Sunday um, to actually be able to speak against racism. And you're not doing that. And then you're trying to pull me into this reconciliation conversation with me. My issue was like, what are you going to ask of me? I have nothing. I'm one person. I have nothing to give, no money, no jobs, no influence, nothing. Like, what could you possibly ask from me? while i'm doing the hard work of trying to heal from the betrayal that i've seen at my church and so luckily for me i'm really glad that i didn't just look to them offering that word and you know manipulatively offering that word without an explanation about what their actually what their goal was instead i looked to god's character and christ's character and i saw that they had no business coming to me asking me for reconciliation because they can or be reconciled with me without me doing a damn thing. All they have to do is be willing to sacrifice their pride, r- sacrifice their racist ideologies and white supremacist ideologies and sacrifice something in order to do, honestly, do the right thing. It's not even a sacrifice. It's just an obedient sacrifice, their pride to be obedient to what scripture tells them to do in order to achieve that reconciliation without expecting anything of me, the less powerful, you know, (laughs) person, one person. Right. And, and that's just like, you know, we see that. Oh, I see that over and over again. Um, within regards to like Connecticut camps, right. Joe White has a whole ton of people, ton of, of like children and their families under NDAs, right. To be to reconcile with those people, all he had to do is release them. He has the power to do that without them having to ask or beg or speak well of Cannon Cook, He has the power to help people achieve reconciliation with by sacrificing something. But what you see and what I've talked about about a predatory church and these toxic institutions is that the people in leadership, that's not their modus operandi. That's like not their MO. That's not their, that's not the protocol. The protocol is to is to say and do whatever they can just so that they can get what they want. And what my church wants is to, for me to shut the hell up and for them to continue ignoring this entire issue without any kind of accountability or repercussions or anything. That's what they want. And so if you're someone who's stuck in that feeling shame or guilt for not wanting to reconcile and not, you know, not even having that within you, that's not your job. It's not your responsibility. Your responsibility—you're already reconciled with, you know, the one who counts first of all—and so your responsibility is to take care of your friggin' mental health, take care of yourself, you know, um, heal, work on, you know, work on that, work on, work on healing and recovering from the trauma you've had from spiritual abuse. And your church will have to sacrifice their pride and their horrible, unbiblical ideologies. To reconcile with other people, it's not on you. It's all on them. If that's the example that I've seen, they have the power, the influence, the ability to reconcile. There is nothing you could do to reconcile with an entire church, especially one that owes you a responsibility to care for your spirit, care for your well being, care for your heart the way God does. Um, so, yeah, I. I mean, you should feel no guilt. The next time someone asks you, you need to reconcile, tell them they need to read the Bible before they give stupid dumb advice. But say it really nicely, just like say it really nicely. You can say it kinder than I did. Like tell them, shut the fuck up. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Um, I don't owe them jack. They can reconcile without me. So those are the kind of words you can use. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm not your mother. I can't tell you I'm talking to somebody. Um. take care of you take care of you God cares about you and you cannot reconcile with uh, thousands of people in leadership That's that's ridiculous they need to they need to eat their pride humble themselves enough to sacrifice whatever the hell they're trying to hold on to they have no business calling for you to sacrifice anything else especially after they've betrayed and hurt you they have no business that's all I'm going to say okay Okay, so that's all I have for you today. Hopefully this helped. I think it's kind of shorter, but um, yeah, I hope this helps. If you have any, you know, questions, comments, concerns, I probably might not read the comments fully, you know, quickly, because I just, just don't do that too often. But yeah, leave one if you want to, and I will talk to you later. Have a good one.